Ephesians chapter number two, and we were here, I believe, on uh, last Sunday night. We were preaching through verses one uh, down through about verse five or six, and tonight we're going to pick up in verse number eight, nine, and ten. If you're there, let's go ahead and stand together. Let me say it is good to see you on a, on a dreary day. Uh, the weather's kind of bad out there, and uh, oftentimes that can discourage us, but it's an encouragement to me. And I want you to know, you look around, you're an encouragement to everybody else that got to see you tonight. It's good when God's people come and are faithful to come in spite of circumstance. It encourages not only our families, but encourages others who, uh, who've come as well. Ephesians chapter 2, look down at verse number 8. We know this verse well. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, verse 10 is going to be our key text tonight, so focus in on that. Where The Bible says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word, and even, Lord, when children have an opportunity to share it, because, Father, the the power is in the word. It's quick, it's living, and it's powerful. And I pray that you take the word that's been preached already and the word that will be preached tonight and change us through it. Lord, I pray we've meant business, Lord, when we come to your house and we are not coming to be seen of men and, and coming, Father, to appease our conscience, but we want to hear from you. We want to draw closer to you. We want to be changed by your word tonight. And I pray that, that Lord, as you send it, we'll be obedient to it. Bless the invitation time. Lord, I pray that we would just submit our will to yours in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I read a very, uh, very frightening, very saddening statistic the other day that patriotism in America is at an all-time low. Uh, if you keep up with politics, you watch the news, and you see what's going on uh, on, on social media, you can tell our country's very divided, and uh, a lot of the elements, the leftist elements, we would call them, uh, that have always been here in America, but they've been quietly in the shadows, have moved out of the shadows. As a matter of fact, they're marching right down Main Street. And uh, when you think about patriotism and you think about how God's blessed us with this wonderful country and uh, all the liberty and the freedoms we have and uh, how for generations now we have enjoyed the wonderful lifestyle that we're able to have here to be able to worship God, uh, go to church, have a copy of the Word of God, and yet we see patriotism on an all-time low. You see a generation that has forgotten really who we are. Uh, they don't realize just how blessed we are, and a lot of that goes back to our school systems where they're not teaching true American history anymore. Uh, they're preaching and teaching a revisionist history that excludes all of the greatness of America. Uh, well, listen, we've got our problems, all right? We've got our problems, that's for sure. Most of them are up in D.C., but uh, we've got a few problems down here in the South as well. But I'll be honest with you, you'll be hard-pressed to find another country that has what we have and has the liberty and freedoms that we have. And by the way, you ought to thank God for that. Uh, instead of focusing on what we don't have and what we're not, look, we ought to be working to change that, and the true change will be brought about through the church. But in the meantime, let's thank God for what we do have. Uh, there's nobody standing to take our Bibles away tonight. We're free to worship and have the things that we do. But oftentimes, here's what happens. Now, the reason that our country is not what it ought to be is we've forgotten who we were. and We've allowed who we were uh, to be just basically erased from the history books. And if you forget who you are and what you have and how you got it, then you're more likely to venture down a path contrary to what uh, began this country and what built this country. And, you know, used to communism and socialism, those were, uh, those were scarlet letters. I mean, you didn't mention that. You didn't talk of that. Uh, you know, they tried to root that out, and now it's, it's running for president uh, and getting pretty good poll numbers, some of these guys are. Why? 
because we've forgotten who we are. Uh, the only way that you can elect a socialist in America is you forget what we're all about and, and what our, our founding fathers intended in the founding of this country. And as I thought about that, I thought about how the church is today and how oftentimes the reason we're not doing what we are called to do and what we're capable of doing is because we have forgotten who we are. If you read Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians deals with the body. And here as our theme is engaged, every part maketh increase. We'll talk a lot about the body. And when you read Ephesians chapter 2, last week we preached out of verse 1 through about verse 5 or 6. And we noticed it shows us who we were. Notice all of the past tense. Verse number 1. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world. Verse number three, among whom also we all had, past tense, our conversation in times past. So it shows us who we were. But then Paul comes back in Ephesians chapter number two and shows us the turning point where all of that changed. The turning point is verse number eight. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So there's the turning point. That's why everything is were, because we were saved by grace through faith. And it says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Boy, does God know us well. You know, it's not of works, because if it was, we'd be bragging about it, wouldn't we? By the way, that's why you're running into some of those false religions that are out there that are bragging about it, man, of how they're perfect, they don't do wrong, and how they've worked their way. Look, if you can work your way to heaven and you can work your way to being right with God, why on earth did he have to send Christ in the first place? It's not of works. But notice he follows up with verse 10. Oftentimes we read just verse 8 or verse 9 together. Sometimes we skip verse number 10 because verse number 10 is a continuation of what happened in verse number 8 and verse number 9. So verse 9 says, not of works or not of our works, lest any man should boast. Now watch what it says here. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now can I tell you what Paul's telling the church at Ephesus? Paul is telling them who they are. Paul's reminding them. Look at the first few words of verse number 10. For we are. He's reminding them of their identity. Now, folks, it's good for us from time to time to be reminded of who we are. Because the only way that we'll continue doing what we're called to do and being who we're called to be is to be reminded. Now, that sounds odd, but folks, we forget easy, don't we? God will say something and speak something to our heart on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or on a Wednesday night. And man, by the very next morning, we've done forgot it. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit of God. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit of God and for my wife and for Miss Pam. They are good reminders. Even Siri is a good reminder. But God needs to remind us sometimes of who we are. Because if you're not careful, you'll forget who you are. And then you'll drift off the path of what you're called to do. Now tonight, we're going to follow verse number 10. We're going to stay pretty much in verse number 10. And look at who Paul says they are, because who they are is who we are. For those that have been saved by grace through faith, you are what verse 10 says you are. So the next few minutes tonight, let's look at a reminder of who we are. Now how does this work in with our theme? Well, I believe the church oftentimes suffers from mistaken identity. We don't realize who we are. And if you don't realize who you are, you're not going to act like who you are. You're going to do what you're capable of doing. So let's see who God says we are in verse number 10. And I think this ought to motivate you just a little bit to be engaged in 2020. Notice verse 10. The Bible says, for we are. Let me tell on myself just for a second. I wanted to jump to the word workmanship. 
that's what I wanted to get to. As a preacher, you see the meaty words, and you want to go straight to them. Uh, every time I kept trying to go back to workmanship, God says, back up just a little bit. So the first thing I want you to notice that we are tonight, verse number 10, the Bible says, for we are his. Can I tell you, it bears mentioning tonight and reminding that we are his. It's so easy to overlook that little statement that is there, but that's the simplest of all reasons to fulfill his will is because we are his. It's that, listen, the reason to be engaged in his work and his will and his body is because, verse 10 says, we are his. Let me tell you why that's so important. Oftentimes, we think the decision is ours to decide to be engaged or not. But truthfully, the decision to be engaged or not has already been made for us when we were bought with a price and we're no longer our own. He said, well, I'm trying to decide if I should be engaged in 2020. Or, or, yeah, 20, is it 2020? Yeah, 2020. It's been a long day. Long day. Now listen, if you're trying to decide that, you're overlooking one minute little detail. It's the fact that the decision is not ours. We don't decide to be engaged in 2020. We must decide to be obedient to who we belong to. And the Bible says we are not our own, that we're bought with a price. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 6, I'm going to read this for you. Man, I love the Word of God, don't you? I get tickled sometimes when I'm reading it because I see myself and there's no wiggling out of it. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 19. Listen close. This is what got me tickled this afternoon. Verse number 18 says this. Flee fornication. Now watch. Here's God telling who he owns how he wants them to live. He can do that because we belong to him, okay? Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. Verse number 19. What? Can you hear the inflection in the writing? Do you do that too when you read the Bible? Do you read the exclamation points in the question? Oh, maybe not. Some of you are like, what? You got to go back in there. It'll really change the way you read the word of God. So he says in verse number 18, flee fornication. He's telling them how to live. And then he says in verse 19, what? Notice what he says. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. He's saying, what? Know ye not? You know what he's doing? He's reminding them who they are. They have forgotten. He says, know ye not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and you're not your own. Look at verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So watch quickly. Verse 19 reminds us of who we are. We're God's. He bought, bought us. He owns us. And therefore, he says in verse 20, since I bought you and I own you, He says, I want you to glorify me in your body and your spirit, which are mine. You see, he can do that because we belong to him. And folks, this thing about being engaged in 2020, finding our place, getting involved in the church, that decision was made when we were bought and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The decision is not ours anymore. The other day I was in town, and I'll not mention names, but ran into someone semi-well-known, uh, somewhat of a celebrity. If I called their name, you'd probably know them. And uh, some of our young people were eating lunch at a, at a table at the restaurant. I stopped by to visit with them just for a moment. Brother Matthews invited us to come by. And, and so one of our, our young people wanted to meet the celebrity, so I walked over to their table. 
And I says, hey, how you doing? I says, one of our young people over here at the table uh, is a fan and like to get a photo and an autograph. I says, would you mind coming over and doing that? I'm a full service pastor. I didn't mind doing that. He says, I can't. I said, are you joking? He says, no, I can't. I says, why? He says, I've, I've signed a disclosure agreement. You see, he signed away the rights to be able to give autographs and take photos with everybody. He can't do that. Now, here he is. Now, listen, here he is. He is his own person, but he realized because of the agreement that was made that he doesn't have the right to do that anymore. Now, folks, can I tell you, as a child of God, we're the same way. We no longer have the rights over ourselves. It's not me trying to decide, hmm, I wonder if I should be engaged this year. I'm going to think about that one, and I'm going to pray about it and consult the old magic eight ball on whether or not I should be engaged. No, the decision's already been made. When you were bought, we are his. Belong to God. The decision's been made for us. It's like my daughter from time to time. She'll get up, and she's like any other kid. She'll say, Dad, I, I don't feel like going to school today. I said, amen, <laughs> hey, Brother Matthews. Adults feel that way too. You didn't know that, did you? Adults feel the same way, I assure you. And I says, well, I said, I, you're welcome to feel any way you want to feel. It doesn't mean that you get to act on how you feel. Because I'm your dad, and I'm in charge, and I lovingly said, you got to go to school. You're thinking, what? A preacher's kid wouldn't want to go to a Christian school? Human flesh, all right? She gets that from her dad. Folks, can I tell you, as much as she felt a certain way, she couldn't act on how she felt because I was in charge. I'm her dad. I'm in charge. I call the shots. I know that's foreign in 2020 for a parent to tell their kid how to live, but that's just how we do things in our house. Report me to the whoever if you have to. I'm in charge. I'm responsible for her. I'm her earthly dad, and I have the, the right to call the shots over her. Now, our Heavenly Father has the same right. He's our Father. Look, He has bought and paid for us, paid a high price for us. And we are His. Therefore, He has the right to tell us what He wants. And can I tell you what He wants in 2020? He wants you to be engaged. No arguments. We are His. The Bible says, therefore... Therefore, glorify God. You know what that means? As a result of that, then this is what we do. Therefore, if you're his, if you belong to God, that decision's already been made. Can I tell you this real quickly? It's not such a bad gig either. So what do you mean? Psalms 100, verse number 3. I want you to listen close as I read this for you. The Bible says, know ye, it's amazing how many of these scriptures begin with that. God's reminding us who we are. Psalms 100 verse 3, the Bible says, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, not we. Ooh, if there's something you ought to underline in your Bible, it's not we. It's not we ourselves. Listen close. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. You say, you're talking about he bought us, he paid for us, and he owns us. Oh, I just don't have any rights. It's not as bad as it sounds. Psalms 100 says we are the sheep of his pasture. You ever read Psalms 23? Read how he treats his sheep. I promise you, your new shepherd treats you a whole lot better than your old shepherd. 
Hey, look, you ought to say, gosh, I don't have any rights in my life. I can't go and I can't have fun and I can't do this. You ought to read what you can do now that you are his. But I assure you, you can do a whole lot more now that you are his than when you were not his. You ought to be excited about that. Your new king is a whole lot better than your old one. You ought to read Psalms 23 one time and read about what comes along with the benefits package of being one of his sheep. You say, the Lord is my shepherd, and you'll proudly say, I am one of his sheep. 1 John 4, 4, the Bible says you're of God, little children. You are of God. That means we are his The Bible says we have overcome them. Look at the context of that scripture. It's talking about all the spirits and the false spirits that have gone out in the world. The Bible says we've already overcome them. We have victory over them. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Why? Because we are of him. You are of God. We belong to him. I'm thankful, aren't you? Now, folks, we need to be reminded of who we are. You are of God, little children. We have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Understand this real quickly. I'm not going to tell you how many points we have because that will depress you. Number one, we are his. And the decision to be engaged has already been made because we are his and that's what he desires of us. So keep reading verse 10. The Bible says, for we are what? We are his, number one. Number two, notice the Bible says, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. Number two, notice we are his work. Now, what does that mean? It means we are his creation. We're his creation. Now, I love, I love the way the Lord is going to take this, and I hope you'll pay close attention to this. You contrast verse number 9. The Bible says, not of works, meaning not of our works. We're not our work. By the way, you better be thanking God that you're not your work, because I don't know about you, but I can make a mess of things. I'm thankful that not only am I his, but I am his work. It's important to be reminded of who we are. That not only are we his, but we are his work. Let me tell you why. It deals with representation. All right? It deals with representation. I want to show you something real quick. i got a picture. Show it to us right quick, guys. All right there. When I show you this, this is a logo. Okay? I try to think of a luxury car. All right? I try to think of a logo. And when you see that, you automatically think, nice car, well-built, well-engineered. You see, watch close. The logo represents what's behind it. The work that stands behind it. Now, can I tell you what the Bible says? The Bible says that we have been created in his image. All right? Romans chapter 8, verse 28, verse number 29. The Bible says we're to be conformed to that image. All right? So we wear his brand, if you will. Now, the Bible says we are his work or his workmanship, and we ought to live a life that represents the brand that we carry. You think about wonderful donuts. What do you think? Look, I learned right off the bat when I got here, the Shipley-Krispy Kreme rivalry is real. (laughs) Let me tell you why I love it. I love it because I got people trying to convince me of one or the other, and I get to eat them all the time. They just keep bringing them. I find them in my office. I find them in my mailbox. I find them in my car. I think the Lord's going to come back before I get real fat, so I'm not really worried about it, to be honest with you. You see that sign? Automatically, your mouth begins watering, doesn't it? Oh, some of you right now, I've lost you. I have lost you. You're not going to be here for the rest of the message. Man, you eat those donuts. You see that sign? Man, that's quality. That's some good stuff. When you think about champions, what do you think about? There we go. You see that label? I'm sorry. Take it down real quick. We're going to quench the spirit right off the bat. I had to do that, all right? I just had to do that. Real quick, pop it up, pop it down. 
What is that? That's a symbol, all right? And you ought to live up to the symbol. You ought to live up to what we represent. Now, folks, sadly, we wear the name of Christ. We are Christians. They were first called Christians at Antioch. But sadly, oftentimes, we forget who we are. And the life behind the label doesn't represent the label very well. Paul says, hey, church, Ephesus, remember who you are. You are his, and you are his workmanship. You know, the Bible even says in Proverbs 20 that even a child is known by his doings. Even a child is known by his doings. Folks, that means people watch us. We have a lifestyle, and when people look at our lifestyle, the life behind the label ought to line up. But sadly, we wear the name of Christ, and we got the bumper stickers and the bracelets and all of these things, but the life behind the label doesn't seem to represent a work of God. Now, folks, I, I used to, to do a lot of building, uh, more than I do now for sure, and my wife through Pinterest would find something and say, can you build this? And me through my pride would say yes. And I would set out to build it, and she wanted a kitchen table, a barnwood table. And I wasn't exactly sure what that was, but Pinterest had plenty of wives who put pictures on there, two black male husbands like me, into doing that. And so I went on and found what she wanted. My rule for her is if she wants it built, she gives me a picture and I'll build it. But I learned years ago, there's no wire to connect my head to her head and figure out what she's thinking. Some of you guys, one day when you get married, don't look. It's not out there. You, I need a picture. So she wanted the barnwood table and I'm building this table. It took me several, several weeks in my spare time to get it all together. And I got it all together and I pulled the, the pipe clamps tight on the top and I'm making the top butcher block tight, just nice, 150-year-old virgin cypress lumber I'm building. It's heavy, heavy. And she says, I really wanted cracks in between the boards. I was like, no, it needs to be tight and strong and look really good. She says, but I, I wanted kind of cracks down the middle. And man, I just, I agonized over that. I was like, because everybody that comes and sits at this table is going to think, you know, who's the jerk leg that put this thing together? It's got cracks all down the middle. And I kept telling her, it's got my name on it. I don't want no shoddy work with my name. It don't really have my name on it, but people are going to know. So now everybody that comes to my house and sits at that table, if you've been at my house, I've probably already told you the story. The cracks are supposed to be there. <laughs> I put it out to you. I don't want you to think that's shoddy work. It's supposed to, it's called distressed. You buy this really nice furniture and you scratch it up and that's the new style. I pointed out, why? I don't want you to think that my work is shoddy. I don't want people to think that something that has my name on it looks that bad. That's honestly how she wanted it. Now folks, I wonder how God feels sometimes. We walk around, we call ourselves Christians, we are his workmanship, but our life does not line up with the label that we put out there. And how sad, why? Because we forget who we are. We're going to put something on our mirror. For you ladies, put it on the mirror. For you men, put it on the refrigerator. Because I know you'll both see that that way. I am his workmanship. Every morning before we walk out the door. I don't know if you men look in the mirror, so that would be hit or miss. But put it on the fridge. I am his workmanship. I wear his label. And I've got to make sure my life lines up with the label that I have out on the front. Got to make sure. Why? Because we are his. Paul's reminding them who they are. First Corinthians chapter 12, I quoted this morning. The Bible says that God set the members as it pleased him. It's not about me anymore. If you're saved, it's not about you anymore. 
This thing of being engaged in 2020 at Central Baptist Church, it has nothing to do with what you or I want. Well, I want this position, and I want this, uh, I want this office, and I want this title. Well, hey, it's okay to want what you want, but it's not about us anymore. It's about what God wants. When I said I didn't pray about what the theme would be for the new year, I prayed, and I agonized, and back and forth, and back and forth. And finally, God made it clear what he wanted, because I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, folks, understand this. It's not about us anymore. It's about what God wants. And we've got to make sure that what we build here represents the one that we carry his name. Several years ago, I, uh, I, preached, um, I preached one of the graduations, I believe it was, um, for, the, uh, for the high school. And we were over at the, um, the Odd Fellows uh, Museum, or it was, the banquet over there. And I remember I was preaching on the image of God. And I love, I love how the Bible just seems to work together seamlessly, and you can see what God's saying all throughout when you just find the definition of one little word. And you look up the word image, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it's mentioned about, I think about 12 times in the Bible, the word image. It's the word icon. It's the Greek word icon. It means representation. We are created in his image, and then sin fouled that up. We don't represent him very well, but after we get saved, we're to be conformed to that image. Sort of work toward. We are icons. That's what we are. We're icons, representations of the one who bought us. And we've got to be reminded. I mean, Paul's reminding the church at Ephesus, you're an icon. You're a symbol. You're a representation of the one who saved you. Now go out there and live up to it. If you're not careful, you'll forget who you are. And you'll be living like the old work instead of the new work. And we all know John Hancock. When John Hancock signed his name to the Declaration of Independence, he signed it first and he signed it boldest. And I believe it was his quote that is saying, I believe even King George can read it from where he's at. When he put his name to it. It's that big flare. That's why we use the term John Hancock. He put it in big letters, flare. He wanted you to know. His name, and he put it on there, and you could see it, and it's recognizable and iconic. Oh, that we would live a life with the John Hancock of Christ on our life. Bold. When everybody sees it, they know whose it is. Isn't there an insurance company named John Hancock? You see that symbol? It represents it. You know what it is. And oh, that we would live a life that our life bears the signature of Christ. Why? Because we remember, number two, that we are his work. Keep reading quickly. For we are his workmanship. The Bible says created in Christ Jesus. Number three, we need to be reminded that we are in Christ. You need to be reminded that we are in Christ. Now, if you forget this one, you will live a limited spiritual life. Christian life. If you forget that we are in Christ. You say, what does it mean to be in Christ? It means of Christ or through Christ. We're in Christ. We're created. Now, if you don't get this one, you're going to find it hard to do all the other things he said we can do. Because you've got to understand that we are in Christ and that is how we do the things that we cannot do when we are in self. This stuff's limited. Have you not figured that out yet? This stuff is limited. It's temperamental. Oh, it's wretched. It can't accomplish a whole lot. But in Christ, I can. Through Christ, I can. 
You know how my brain works. It's kind of odd. I was thinking this afternoon, we were at Disney World a while back. I saw this robot. Ms. Reagan can appreciate this. There's this robot and this man, I got a picture of it. This man got in this robot. I've been looking at how to get one, but uh, they're kind of expensive. Now here's this little old fella by himself. He's not capable of a whole lot. But when he gets in that thing, man, he can do things beyond his own power. He can do things beyond his own strength, but he's got to get in that thing first. And man, when he gets in that thing, it far surpasses his own mere human capability. And I thought this afternoon, I told you it's kind of weird, but that's the way my brain sees it. So many of us live in this rather than living in Christ. We're walking around in this limited, puny, weak stuff that can't, listen, that can't even make it to church sometimes when it's raining. Man, we need to get in one of those. We can flip a car over with that thing. Imagine how much fun you could have. Probably none of it's good, but you could have a whole lot of fun if you had something like that. And yet spiritually, that's who we are. In Christ, we can do so much more beyond ourselves, but we forget. That's why we go out to go soul winning. We get intimidated by the dog, and we get intimidated by the people because we're going in the power of this. This stuff gets scared easy. It gets scared. Of, I get scared of little dogs. You know, I get scared of big dogs, little dogs. We were talking the other day. I forget where we was at, but I'm thankful the Lord didn't put the spirit of a chihuahua in a Doberman. Dogs would rule the world. I mean, them chihuahuas think they're the baddest thing on the planet. I'm thankful they don't have a big body to get into. If they did, we'd be in trouble. Now, folks, in Christ, that's how we accomplish what we're called to do. In a minute, we'll look at the good works that he says that we're called and ordained to walk in. The only way you can do those is in Christ. Now, folks, you're going to look and read about the will of God this year in the Word of God, and you're going to pray about it, and you're going to think, you know what, I don't think I can do that. Well, you can't. Of yourself. In Christ you can. I really, I see a lot of Christians, they're just moping and complaining and griping about how bad things are and we can't change this world. Of course we can't, but in Christ we can. Why do you think the Bible tells us I can do all things through Christ? That means you got to get in that thing first. You got to get in something that's greater than you and that is through Christ and in Christ and of Christ. We can, but of self, oh my goodness, we're going to bottom out pretty quick. I was at lunch today and walked up to the, the line, and the lady says, what would you like to drink? I says, well, if it's up to me what I like to drink, I'd like to have a sweet tea. I says, but I don't need a sweet tea. I says, I need water, even nasty old city water. I says, you know what? I want that, but if I drink that, I'm going to get a little bit more swole than I have been already. I says, I've just got to make the decision to drink water, and I drank it. Ugh. There's no telling what's floating around in that city water, but I, I made the decision to do what I didn't want to do. So often we do the same thing spiritually. We let this stuff decide whether we're not going to do the will of God. And if you let this stuff decide, you're not going to do what you're called to do. You're not, you'll not fulfill the will of God. You'll not be obedient to go and to win. All the four things we're looking at this year of giving, of going, growing, and getting, you'll do none of that. Why? Because through this you can, but through Christ you can. If you rely on the flesh, then you'll fail. Let me give you a few scriptures. Jot them down or remember these. You know 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The Bible says, if any man be what? In Christ, he's a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Oh, the devil loves to remind you of your past, doesn't he? He tries to ring up your past so he can foul up your future. But you just remind him, I'm in Christ. Those things have died. All those old habits and those old hobbies and old friends, they come up, try to drag you down from moving forward in the will of God. Just remind them that I'm in Christ. Those things have passed away. You know, things that are passed away can't bother you as much as they used to could. You know that black dog I told you about Wednesday night? He's still there. He's still there. Everybody's going by and see the black dog we talked about on Wednesday night. He hasn't moved an inch. He hasn't bothered the first person. Why? He's dead. He's dead. When those old habits and hobbies and desires and lust come back and try to overcome you from moving forward in the will of God, you just remind them, hey, I know who I am. I'm in Christ. All things are passed away. All things have become new. Romans 8, the Bible tells us there's no condemnation. There's therefore no condemnation to who? Those that are in Christ. Well, the devil loves to condemn me. He's the accuser of the brethren. He loves to throw rocks at me. I just remind him what Romans 8, the Bible says, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Tries to get me to doubt my salvation. Oh, he tries to get me to worry, but there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 The Bible says, thanks be unto God, that always causes us to triumph in Christ. Jeremiah tells us this stuff is weak and you're cursed if you trust in it. But the Bible tells us that we triumph in Christ. I don't know about you, I don't like being a loser. I don't like losing anything. It takes me a whole lot of something to let my daughter beat me in something. I love my daughter. You're playing these games and whatnot. Brother Michael and Miss Evelyn taught us this new game that just blows my brain. And my daughter steps up there very first game and smokes her mom in two, the first two rounds. She did, Brother Michael. She picked it up quick. You must be teaching her something there in class because she figured out how to do that. I'm sitting down there thinking, I don't know if I want to play her because I don't know if I want to beat her. Look, I don't want to get beat either. I don't, like, I don't like losing to my wife. I've told you before, Scrabble's a full contact sport in my house. I don't like losing. You ought to get tired of losing spiritually. Tell you how you get tired of losing spiritually. Just remember who you are. You can do all things through Christ. You can triumph in Christ. But the devil, boy, he is just brilliant at getting you to forget who you are. You forget you're his. You forget you're his work. Then you forget that you are in Christ. And then you lose. You're like, well, I guess I am a loser. No, the Bible says that we triumph through Christ. Go back to verse 10. For we are his workmanship. So we are his We're his work. We are in Christ. And then keep reading. The Bible says, unto good works. Number four, we are created created unto. We'll fill in the blank here in just a second. We are created unto. It amazes me as I go up and down the roads, how many people I see during the day. I'm talking about looks like healthy, healthy people that aren't doing anything throughout the course of the work day. You know, between 9 to 5, folks sitting on their porch, walking up and down the streets, you know. In Bassfield, we used to have what we call the unemployment tree. You pass by the unemployment tree, and there's all these people sitting around the unemployment tree every day. I don't know what, they're just sitting around drinking, having a good old time. I I don't know why they didn't have anything to do, you know, with all the things that need to be done and all the things that need to be paid for. It seems like they go get a job, but uh, evidently that's not a popular thing to do either. But there's a lot of Christians who sit underneath the unemployment tree too. We have no purpose 
We just wander around life. We go to work, we come home, we eat supper, we go to bed, we get up, we go to work, and we forget that we have a spiritual purpose in our life. Can I show you where our purpose is at? It's in verse number 10. The Bible says we are created, uh, created in Christ unto. That's a directional word. The Bible says this is our purpose. We are created unto something. So you realize tonight, I'm not just here to wander the world to do what I want. I am created unto something. Unto what? The Bible says good works. Good means useful. It means fruitful. If you forget who you are, that you're created unto something, then you won't be about your purpose. God says, I'm to live a life that is fruitful and productive. We look at America and how many people are just not interested in working and socialism wants a free handout. And we're thinking, man, that's just horrible. It's the same thing in the church. So often, man, it got quiet really quick. I was expecting an amen on that one. So often in the church, we forget our purpose. We say, I'm going to depend on so-and-so to do the work of the church. I'm going to depend on Brother Brent to do it, Brother Heath and Brother John. I'm going to depend on the school teachers to do it. I'm going to, pretend, I'm going to depend on the Sunday school teachers to raise my children. No. Listen, you have a purpose. You have something that you're to be about. Man, growing up, when your dad's your boss, you know, it's bad when your boss can whoop you. I told my wife when we got married, I said, I want you to go ahead and know, my dad is my dad, he's my pastor, and my boss. It's bad when your boss and your pastor can whoop you. You know, now after I got married, he, he kind of slacked off on whooping me. He don't whoop me much anymore. He kind of gave that over to my wife, and she whoops me when I need to be whooped, you know. But my dad used to say, if you're going somewhere, you need to get there. You know, we had to go out to the truck to get a level or a skill saw or something like that. And that was time to do nothing. And there's something about this stuff that likes doing nothing. And so I'd walk out of the house. And you know, just take your time. Just enjoy the fresh air. Walk through the flower beds of the house that you're around. Look at, smell the roses a little bit. And he'd come out. He said, hey, hey, if you go in there, you need to get there. Okay? Get about where you're going. Hey, you're unto something. Get there. And so often we as Christians, we don't realize, we don't remember that we're to be unto something. We have a purpose and a calling. And the Bible says in verse number 10, that calling is good works, fruitful works, profitable works. Now, what's important about this, we're going to close up a loophole here before I give you the last one. There's five. I'll give you the last one. There's a loophole. The word good, the word good he said, well, I'm about good works. I work hard to have nice things, nothing wrong with nice things. God blesses you with them, glorify him through them. I work hard to have a good car and a good house and a good this and a good that. Well, let me tell you something really quick. That word good there is defined by God. God defines what the good works that we're to be about. If it's up to me, good work is, you know, enjoying my favorite meal, watching my favorite show and Sing on a deer step, that's good work. If you can get it, that's really good work. These guys who get to hunt for a living, oh, it's hard for me not to be bitter how they drew that straw. Uh, but good works are defined by God. God defines the works that are good. That's why Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. He said, man, I had a flat tire on the way here. I have this problem with my health. He said, this is not good. The Bible says that God defines what's good. And we're to be about or unto the works that God says are good. So here's what's got to happen. You must be submissive to God's will. God, you say this is good. I'm just going to trust you in that. So number, number four, we are created unto something. And then finally, the Bible says we are his. We are his work. 
We're created in Christ. We're created unto something. The Bible says, unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Number five, we're called to walk. We're called to walk. Now, let me explain that. The word walk means a consistent conduct. A consistent conduct. Now, he's not talking about we come to church on Sunday morning and we do good, on sun, do good works on Sunday morning and then Monday through Saturday go do what we want to. No. He says, I want you to walk in them. That means a consistent conduct. That means we make it a regular practice to walk in the works that God says are good. So often we as Christians are one-hit wonders. You know, the 70s and 80s, you have those singers, you know, they're one-hit wonders. And people are like, who were they? Well, they had that one good song. That was it. They made one good song. You can tell me who it is after the service. I don't know any worldly music, but you can tell me who it is uh, after the service. Don't come up and tell me that, okay? I don't want to think bad about you if you do. So often, we're one-hit wonders, and that one hit happens on Sunday. That's our good work. I have checked that box for the week. I have walked in good works. No, you didn't. You just made a, a, a fleeting moment pass by. You're not walking in them. Walking is a consistent conduct. So often we just come and we shine on Sunday and then we put it right back under the bushel Monday through Saturday. That's not the will of God. We are called to walk in the good works. That's what the Bible says in Galatians 5. Walk in the Spirit. That means consistently walking in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says walk as children of light consistently. You see, it's a lifestyle. Too often, we, we, we really do, we get in the habit of just checking the boxes. I read my Bible today. I prayed today. All right, I, I passed out a track today. But it's not a lifestyle. He says, I want it to be a lifestyle. You are called to walk in the good works, the things that God says are good. First John, the Bible says, walk as children of light. This is who we are. This should be our lifestyle. And if you walk as a, children of light, a child of light and you walk in the Spirit, the life behind the label will line up. But if it's just a box you check on Sunday, then I hate to tell you, you're not going to do much of the good works. The Bible says we were ordained that we should walk in them. The word ordained, whoo, he knew what he was doing when he put that word in there. It means determined, decided, or decreed. The Bible says these good works have been determined, decided, and decreed that we should walk in them. That means there's no decision to make. The decision's already been made. That we are ordained that we should walk in them. So what are we getting at tonight? Well, we forget who we are. That's, not, that's why we're not doing what we should be doing. We forget that God says we have victory. We forget that we belong to him. We forget that we have good works that we are ordained or decreed to be walking in. And because we forget that, no wonder we look like what we look like. And no wonder we act like the way we act. So when we read verse number 10, I think we ought to take verse number 10 and write it on a piece of paper and put it on the visor of our car. That we might be reminded of just of who we are. So I want you to think about this and I'll, I'll be done. When you go out tomorrow and you seek to live and to walk in the good works and you say, I don't want to. Just remember, I'm not mine. I am his. When you go out tomorrow to live according to the word of God and try to find his will and be engaged and you're saying, you know, I think I'd rather do this. Remind yourself, I am called to be his work, not mine. Tomorrow, I'm not going about my business. I'm going about, as Christ said, my father's business. So I don't think I want to do that. Well, that's what I'm created unto. 
and I'm called to walk in them. If we would just realize who we were, we would change this city. That we're not the weak, defeated Christians. We're triumphant in Christ. We can serve through Christ. Because this is who God says we are. The Lasher preached on David a minute ago. Do you know why David was able to do what David was able to do? It wasn't because David thought a lot of himself. He knew who he belonged to. He knew who he was. As he went down there, he said, you've got a spear. He said, you've got a shield. But he said, I come in the name of the Lord. He knew who he belonged to. And man, wasn't he just, I mean, he was, he was tough to beat, wasn't he? We'd be tough to beat as well if he just remembered who we are tonight. So I want to encourage you. Don't forget who you are. You're his. You're his work. We represent him. Let's make sure our life lines up with the label of what we profess. And then let's see. Look, it's not, look, walking in them's not going to come overnight. That consistency takes time. But sooner or later, you've got to take the first step to walk and be who God's called us to be. Tonight, during the invitation, we can ask God to help us with that if we're serious about being who he's called us to be. So let's have our heads bowed tonight and our eyes closed. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And our pianist is going to come and our, our song leader is going to come. And my prayer for our church tonight is we remember who we are. We've got to remember who we are. If we go in the power of self and we think we have to accomplish of ourselves, we're not going to get much done. We're going to be defeated. We're going to be powerless. But if we'll go through Christ, realizing I am his, I don't belong to me anymore. I don't have the rights to myself anymore. God calls the shots. And if he tells me where to be engaged at, that's where I will be engaged at. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for your word. And Lord, I thank you for acknowledging our frailties in reminding us so often, asking, know ye not, know ye not. We forget who we are. Father, I pray tonight we remember that we're yours. 